0: Welcome to another episode of War Stories. I'm Tom. And I'm Chuck. And uh, we are fortunate enough to have another author with us. I love it when we have authors because I i am a writer and I desperately like to write and I'm still too disorganized and chicken to actually sit down and try writing a book. (laughs) So I'm always, I always think it's cool when we have guests on that have the, the courage to put words on a page and
1: let the rest of the world read it. So who do we have? So I found, uh, I found uh, this uh, person on Instagram. I thought it was really cool. She was promoting her book. Um, or his series of books called the fight series. Uh, she's an author. She's a veteran of the United States army. And I thought that it would be a great fit for us. So I reached out to her and asked her if she wanted to come on and she decided uh, she wanted to come on. So Betsy. Now I'm, I'm looking
0: are. at your name on my screen and I, I wanted to wait until I could actually ask you, is it real? Sadly is not. Ah, <laughs> oh, okay.
2: It's a pen name. No. Nice.
0: So, so your pen name is Betsy Ross, mm-hmm. and I and you are sitting with the Thirteen Colonies flag behind you. So much respect yep. for me, right out the gate. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that's really cool. So, it's, well, why don't you, you uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and and how you went through your journey to go from the army to author?
2: Oh wow. Well, I am now a medical lab tech. Uh, I, do uh, kids, I do have three kids, but I also have uh, cow business and I have snake business, and I do write a lot. Wait, I have you sell a new cows now that they're... I do? I have longhorn sides beef mainly
0: live, or or do you sell the sides live? Wow, that's cool. Uh,
2: both we do. Oh, both. both.
0: Okay. If you ever, if you ever need somebody to come out and do a city slickers, I'm in. <laughs> The deer ranch. Good
2: to know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right? I, I, I honestly would love I, that whole idea of going and 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 being, you know, on a ranch. Just totally appeals to me. It's because I moved to Idaho, and like it's just. It's cool me. So, I hate I, L.A. was great for, you know, the rock and roll scene or whatever. But man, being on like so snakes too. Do you breed them or do you just like yes. what how? Do, oh wow. and,
2: We don't eat you know, those. We don't eat time? those, but. <laughs>
0: Well, that's you and Chuck have something in common, he breeds geckos.
2: Oh. Yeah. not on that for yet. Yeah. But, um,
1: yeah, no, I'm trying to downsize. I got too many. <laughs> yeah, you were hatching a lot at one point. <laughs> too many.
0: Yeah. So, uh, you, Besides writing and laboratory teching and raising cattle and breeding snakes, is there anything else? Yes. Okay, go. Ah.
2: I guess writing, um, just a lot of writing. Uh, now that the fight series is basically over, it's only a four book series. Uh, I've, I have started other, other books. Not mm-hmm. sure really how to describe them except they're fiction right now. Uh, but mm-hmm. the fight series was really my, what I felt was my main purpose as far as becoming a writer because they were my first first books to write, and self publish. Um, uh, I was, I was an army veteran. I was actually only in a couple of years. I was injured before my unit uh, was going to Afghanistan. They basically chaptered me out, gave me the boot on that. And so I was in a very dark time. I fell on very hard times at the time. Very long story on that. But many years later, I wanted to write something. And I felt that veterans weren't listening to me. My family weren't listening to me. The VA told me to basically go away and I felt that writing was probably my only saving point after many attempts of suicide and failed attempts. And Hmm. so fight one was supposed to just be one book. It was supposed to be my main, just get it all out of my, you know, off my chest that this is how I feel. This is everything that the military, all the different changes that you have when you're getting out of the military that people don't talk about. Right. So, That's when I started, I guess, really embracing that transition process. I mean, not everyone has a negative story. There are very successful veterans now, but uh, just that some just don't know what to say. There's just this miscommunication even amongst veterans, the community and their families that People don't talk about people don't realize that a song can trigger a memory of something or just a word or a jargon or a movie or something so simple in daily life mm-hmm. that can just make that person seem different. And I don't think people talk about that enough. So that's when the fight series really was like, you know, I could actually do something besides just writing one book. And so I started talking about, you know, homelessness in fight two and drug addictions in fight three and just continuing the fight.
0: Okay, so the, the the word fight in the series is really about some of the struggles that veterans face as they leave the military under a variety of different circumstances. Does that sound about right? Or And even during their service, but obviously separation is a big... Is it, Anybody who's listened to the show long enough knows we've talked about separation and how traumatic sometimes it can be. Um, yeah.
1: And it's and generally not within the first year, right? True. It's it comes after because you're like, ah, oh, this is cool. I'm out. You know, I'm I'm relaxing. Okay. Whatever. I'm gonna take take some time off, and then everything just pile drives you at the least expected. Well, I want to get
0: yeah, into right. that, but I, I want to definitely talk about. Let's let's start at the beginning. How did you end up in the army, and wh- when did you join, and and uh, what were you trying to do, and, and and let's let's get into some of your your time in the army and some of that, and then that'll help. Uh, that'll help their listeners better understand kind of the frame of reference. Cause I mean, my separation story from the police department isn't fun. And we've talked to many different veterans who've had, you know, awful difficult separations. I've often joked on this podcast. That there's a lot of veterans. They go one or two directions, the police department or the prison, you know, um, there, there are, there are tons of separation stories on the show. There are veterans we've interviewed who feel like second class veterans because they were peacetime service and they never deployed. and, the fact that they talk to other veterans who have deployed and they, they feel, oh, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm a second yeah. class veteran. Right. I never deployed, you know, all of those things are, are huge parts of the service and the separation from police department, fire department, military that, that doesn't get talked about.
2: Mm-hmm. I agree.
0: Well, uh, but, so yeah. uh, your journey to <laughs> the army.
2: Yes. Well, I was an air force brat. Both my parents were air force. Uh, my grandparents were Air Force, but I was the black sheep of the family, the rebel, and I went Army. I okay. actually tried to speak with an Air Force recruiter, but I decided against it. I went to a community college for my geology degree, and halfway through, I realized that I actually felt more confident uh, fitness-wise, because I didn't think I could pass the fitness anything, And but then I started really working out. I was getting more dedicated. I was more dedicated to my studies and working out and then I started, I don't know, I guess somehow I got the confidence like, nah, we're going Army, we're doing this. So I went into the Army recruiting station and said, I'm joining regardless of what you say, so don't lie to me, let's do this, whatever, but I just can't deploy right away, so what what's going on? So I got to participate in the future soldier training and again, got to uh, boost my confidence, okay, this is meant to be. Um, Mine, I went in as an ammunition specialist, but I didn't really get to do that. I don't feel I was more of just a truck driver. I was but I didn't really do anything exciting, but yep. I still met. I, I, people.
0: Right. <laughs> yep. I, I have a friend of mine. He joined the Navy and wanted to be a firefighter and he, they made him a whole technician. And I said, what do you do? He says, I'm a janitor.
2: Well that's what, that? what I hate about putting on resumes when they say what did you do in the army? Where do I begin? I was I did details, you could name between sweeping and mopping and janitorial right. stuff yep. and then there's also yeah. random things. I was a truck driver right. and then I had to yeah. basically do mechanic's work basic, I wasn't a mechanic but just like basic stuff. I can change a tire on an LHS or a Humvee for you. I mean, I could do like a variety <laughs> of things. Right.
0: Which oh, yeah. it, <laughs> but I never know what to put on a resume. skills. <laughs> I can change yes. a tire on a you militarized war <laughs> truck.
1: <laughs> the yeah. funny thing that you mentioned what to put on a resume. Um I've currently made my my resume and I've never made one before and I just made one because I have to start looking for other things to do. And um I was ran right into the same problem. What do I put? damn. And then we had a guest on who's a buddy of mine who came on and he said, know your worth, know how to yeah. articulate it. And I was like, that's what I've been doing for the last decade is articulating. All right, let me break it down. Let me think about what I did. Yeah. That's there was a cool. lot of working parties. There was a lot of janitorial BS. There was a lot of this. There was a lot of that. I have, you know, certifications to drive trucks and things like that. And big ass, you know, vehicles that go in the water and have big guns and shit on them. And I was like, "What does that transcribe to? And then I started really breaking it down. You know, I was a leader. I was 18, 19 years old, 20 years old, and I was in charge of multimillion dollars worth of equipment. I had four people under my charge, and I was basically – I did that, and then after I had surgery because we got injured, I got injured playing football, I ended up becoming um, – taking over a section lead. So now I had even more responsibilities. Now I was, I was liaisoning from – from my section of the, 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 my line to mechanics and top staff and brass from, from there, you know, try to make sure that we are all, and I was like, oh man, I'm going to write all this stuff down. So now I just gave myself four years of management experience. That's like the easiest way to break it down. If anyone's listening to this and they're like, well, yeah, I run the same thing. Break that shit down. Simple, stupid. Yeah. I mean, think about
0: communication, the amount of, the type of people that you had to communicate with, right? Like as a, just as a cop, I tell people all the time, my, my communication skills run the gamut because in the same day I would have to talk to the mayor, the chief, a fricking citizen, a high school student, a parolee and a gangbanger, like all in the same day, all very different conversations, all very different communication styles. You just have to adjust. I'm sure you learned a lot of transferable skills, but when you're preparing your resume, you're like, uh, where does that go? You just don't know. And nobody prepares you for it.
2: Exactly. No, I don't feel like they do. I mean, we had those classes where they help you help uh, you get out, but I didn't. Think they, and taps they didn't work for me. Right. They
0: didn't work for well, me. I mean, those. I would, I would challenge us. Uh, I would challenge our listeners to find somebody who says that those classes were the thing that helped them. No, <laughs> <Those, laughs> like, dude,
1: those yeah. things suck so bad. They yeah. even gave you a printout. <laughs> they're like, you can plug in your military job right here and it'll tell you what you can do on the outside. Yeah. for all those that had all these jobs this is what your answer is going to be and fucking so i plugged my shit in and it said swat uh swat team driver because i know how to drive a big yeah. vehicle and i was like you and i both uh, know you don't just get a swat driver that you have to go and do your time so law enforcement going to swat and then ask to be the driver get the fuck out of here <laughs> I was like this is yeah. ridiculous you're good enough to be on a swat team but only the driver <laughs> Yeah, it was ridiculous. I was like, these classes are garbage. They really don't. And I'm glad <laughs> oh you're shining a light God. on it, there, Betsy. I'm I'm so happy that you're doing that because it really doesn't get the time of day. And and I think that that's a big downfall is is not preparing, um, you know, Army, Marines, Navy, fucking Air Force, Coast Coasties, and then they probably actually actually have it right because they deal kind of with the civilian side too. But um, they just don't they don't prepare you well enough. They really don't. Yeah.
2: I don't feel that they do. I mean, don't get me wrong. They did mention going to college, but at the time I was at Fort Bliss and they only really promoted colleges that were in El Paso. And so it was like, they don't provide anything I'd probably be interested in anyway. And then the jobs, like you said, it was, you want to join the police academy. Do you want to join, uh, what was the other one? Oh, I can't think of the, when you deploy, not deploy, but you're a civilian contractor. When you're a contractor, they really push that. Oh, yeah. They push
1: confidence um, in you a little bit. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Did they push um, uh, roughnecking? Because for us as Marine Corps, they push that hard, which, if anyone doesn't know what a roughneck is, it's an oil rigger. So you yeah. work on a, on the rig with the the fucking pipes, and yep. dude, it's crazy hard work. <laughs> yeah, three weeks on, three I was weeks on.
2: I do yeah. know a bunch of people who did sure that, not. but I don't recall that specifically um, mentioning. They probably oh, okay. did, but I, I just because
1: oh, it's weird. I think. It. Oh, I was going to say it's weird how different branches push certain things onto people.
2: I have, I have picked up on that.
1: So
0: you, you uh, started out and you, uh, working with munitions, but then you said you ended up driving a truck. But it sounds like you were able to change out of that.
2: I basically just drove a truck. Like I said, oh. my time in the army was actually very short lived. I had gotten injured and I wasn't really treated well after that because they thought I was faking my injury because I have a nerve damage in my I'm gonna say it's in my shoulder or my back or my neck. It's somewhere in that vicinity. I was boxing and I hit wrong while off duty. I was training, I was going I was working out, but I hit mm-hmm. wrong and I pushed through it. So of course I worked out on an injury, which just made it worse. But um but me being stubborn and also just trying to push through it, it ended up making it worse. And then, I mean, you can't see on it on a CAT scan. It, it's not muscle. So it's right. it was hard for them to find the evidence. So even when I got out, yeah. the VA denied me for lack of evidence. And so, um, so yeah, that was kind of rough because I went from the PT stud to that. What is it? The profile ranger or whatever term they used then So it was that was heartbreaking i was like man i was the gung-ho soldier i know they say don't do that but that was me and sure enough i got injured and you're right right but it was it was hard on all ends i mean i live in paint 24 7 can't prove it but i do and that's just Another addition to what people don't talk about, there's many veterans out there who either don't have that percentage or acknowledged percentage of it, I guess, or, you know, just people living in pain all the time. I'm not looking for meds or anything. I just want the Army to accept that they messed me up and then said, bye.
0: But Tough, right. Maybe one day. So similar. Yeah, similar. I When I was going through retirement, the the city wanted to say, nope, that's not work-related. I'm like, how is it not? What? It happened while I was working. Like, how is that not work related? Um, yeah. You know, it happens. And, and same thing happened. Guys that I had worked with and known for years to this day, don't ever, don't speak to me. Haven't speak, spoken to me a word. And their claim is, is that I faked it all for a pension. It's like, no dude, I spent a year in therapy trying to put my life back together because I lost my career. And you're telling me I faked it for a pension. Come on. Yeah. I'd be out there doing yeah. something. It's
2: rough. Well, sadly, sadly, there are people who do manipulate the system. And I saw that too, and it would break my heart seeing it. But I mean, it's I understand there's there's the bad apples out there really are trying to just milk the system. I get that. But there are many of us really genuinely injured. I'm not asking for 100 percent. I'm just wanting them. I'd accept even 10 percent just because I want them to acknowledge that it happened. Instead of making me feel crazy. that Yeah, even you know, if they just said, just we are
0: willing to say it happened.
2: Yeah, and you're that's, like, that's, that's all. really it Right. But, uh, so yeah, I had to deal with all that. And then, of course, after I got out, I mean, I had jumped into school. I'm not sure if that was a good idea, but I jumped back into school to get the medical lab tech degree. And mm-hmm. uh, I was living out on my truck. My I didn't really have anywhere to live. I was jumping couch to couch for a while and then finally like my my grandmother finally let me sleep at her house for a bit and then she ended up moving and then I ended up moving into someone's RV for a little bit during the freezing temps and that was they didn't have a heater so wow. i'm like it's it was always something and then i just sleep in my truck and it was hard it was hard to find a job my first job was at a, a liquor store and it ended up closing down uh 2 months after that so it was like I was jumping job to job and it wasn't even like my fault, but I was still and living out of a vehicle and living wow. out of a vehicle. So it was, it was hard. Like it was one of those things kind of like you said, you just, you're fun. You're done with them. You're done with the military. You don't have to wake up for PT. You don't have to, mm. you know, show up for formations. You don't have to do that crazy excess stuff. It's, but still it just felt rough. Like this is what I was so excited for my D you know, my DD two fourteen It was, it was like a slap in the face. I felt like, you know, I was so excited to get out because my, mil- you know, my chain of command didn't believe me in my injury. So I was, I was useless to them and I couldn't deploy. I wasn't deployable because of my injury. So they just chaptered me out. I wasn't even medically discharged. So it was like, I, I was like, fine. The ER, I mean, U.S. Army basically just booted me out that I was no good, even though the Army was everything to me and to end up living in my truck for nothing. And it was like, yeah, I'm a veteran, but I just, I felt like garbage. Like I just right. felt so washed out and right. it was, it was hard. And then I tried to reach out to veterans, but I didn't deploy. I didn't do anything exciting. I wasn't infantry. I wasn't anything cool. So they're like, you were just a gung-ho soldier. That's what we tell you not to do. And I was injured and I couldn't really do anything. And I just, I was washed out, man. I felt like just garbage, even as a human being, just because I was like, okay, I'm not veteran, you know, that, that great veteran that everyone's always thinking about when they hear veteran. I wasn't apparently a good soldier. I wasn't with anyone good. So it was, it was hard where the veterans wouldn't even talk to me. Parents didn't understand me. My sister, you know, you're, you're different. Like, what's wrong with you? You're angry all the time. You're uh, just different. And I really hated that. but. It was a, it was just a very dark time for me. And eventually I finally met my new husband now. As you can hear, I have kids kids. (laughs) now. So it's, I mean, good things are now happening, but at the time it was a very dark place where I felt so alone and I had called the VA for a counseling appointment and they said, well, you weren't medically discharged. So we can't talk to you unless you're going to commit suicide now. And wow. I was like, "Well, I've never heard that before. That can't <laughs> so, be
1: right." <laughs> yes, I am. So yes. So the VA wouldn't touch yes, you
0: uh, I... because you're chaptered out and you didn't yeah, get we, medically we, separated. Obviously, with with you know, mom, like you said, you're a mom. So we just paused for a second to to let you take care of family because family's most important. And so that's you know, for those of you that are wondering why we're we're, we're picking up our conversation, we took a little break. Uh, Yes. So the VA wouldn't even touch you unless you were like saying, I'm going to kill myself.
2: Right. And I was in a very dark state at that time, but I, because of the com, the, basically the comment, it actually surprised me more than anything. So in that moment, it was like a switch where I was more angry than Mm -hmm. actually suicidal. So I was like, well, I guess I'm not suicidal now. I'm more mad that you're telling me you won't talk to me or even. Make an appointment for me. Like it was, I mean, I know now that that was not accurate. I probably should have really pushed it, but at the time I was just like, well, fine. If you don't want to talk to me, then I will go do something else. But after that, it was like, I mean, it was almost dark at that point. So it was like in the middle of the night. I knew no one was going to be up. It was, it was like one of those lull moments, but. That's when I started realizing that I was angry at the world. I was feeling washed out, but I was still a student at school. So I had stresses of school. Um, My husband at the time had gone away. I had no idea where he was. So basically I was going through a divorce during all of this. Well, which is always. (laughs) Yeah, it was. It was just a very hard time, dark time. I mean, no money, no real place to call home, no real friends. Veterans don't want nothing Holy. to do with you, civilians. Couldn't even That's talk me. to you. I am almost thirty-four. When it happened? Oh, when it happened was yeah, I was twenty. Golly, oh, how? See, I'm almost thirty-four now, so I would have been in about twenty-three, twenty-four.
0: So you're twenty-three, twenty-four years old just out of the military because Mm -hmm. not, you know, because you got basically pushed out for an injury, which doesn't feel good. And you've experienced, you know, homelessness, living in your truck. You're trying to go to school. You're having trouble finding it. I mean, it is a perfect storm at that point. And you're all, you're only 23 years old. That's a lot of life. It
2: was, it was. (sighs) And it was one of those things where I realized I was at the point where I was just self sabotaging. So I was drinking heavily. I was not in a good place. So, any friend or acquaintance, even like through school, um, which is a whole nother thing. I mean, you going, I mean, I went to college beforehand, but now as a veteran, basically, uh, going back to school, you're dealing with high school students, basically. So, right. dealing with those deba- yeah. debates and how life sucked then. I'm like, you have no idea. (laughs) So it was hard going back to school with basically children again. And that was rough, but I stayed away from the college scene and parties and school spirit because I just couldn't hang around with them. They wouldn't understand me. And so I was, but even like through my program, we basically lived together as far as school and studying and whatnot, because it's a program. It's not just classes for the degree. It's an actual program. So you're with the same group of people over and over. So some of them I kind of got along with, and I realized that I really was an angry person. I really was uh, having issues um, that I didn't even know how to describe. I didn't know what to say. I was like, I'm a veteran. I don't know what to tell you. I, I, little rough around the edge I don't know what you want me to say (laughs) so it was it was just hard to that I started learning about myself uh slowly but surely and then I realized you know people probably don't talk about this and again that also went into the fight series was that you know people don't really realize how deep some of these emotional scars the mental scars really go especially for PTSD I may not have deployed but life was just Dark and it was very uh, lonely. Yeah. And because uh, even when your own, when your own peers mm-hmm. won't even talk to you, your chain of fan, basically, like, well, you're not my problem anymore. Sorry. And so it wait, was.
0: Wait. I thought we were a family. Lonely. I thought I was one of the I know. group I yeah. I was in the band. I, right. right.
2: I, know. I know. So it was That's, hard, especially because. Betrayal. It was. It was. Mm-hmm. It definitely was for me because I did care. Like I was one of those weird ones when I got my dog tags, like, like the real thing, it was like, Oh my God, I did it. I served, right. you know, I'm going to go through basic. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be a American soldier. This is it, baby. I'm going to do it. I'm gonna well, and it was a family. was
0: intergenerational.
2: Yes, absolutely. And so it was all very meaningful to me. I cared too much. I was aware I'm, I was gung ho, but so that again, that betrayal definitely has lived with me ever since, but, uh, I don't talk down the military though. Precisely. I mean, from my own experience, it kind of is, but for like in general, if you're, if I, if I hear someone wants to join, I'll be like, Hey, that's great. You know, I promote it, do it, go all the way.
0: Yeah. But it didn't work out for you. That's was, not the same. Yeah. Yeah. Right.
2: yeah. I'm not like that, but it's, it was just, well, at least you're honest him, about it. So, <laughs> I'm too honest. <laughs> <laughs> I wear my heart. I wear my heart on my sleeve. If someone asks, I'm going to tell you. Especially when it talk, comes to the fight series, I'm I'm all open.
0: So, Thanks. how much of that pressure were you putting on yourself because of your heritage, because of the family connection? How, like, I, I can only imagine with two two generations before you in the Air Force, and you decide to go Army, and then all of a sudden you're separated because of an injury. And what does it look like? It looks like you can't hack it, and you disappointed your family. And blah 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 blah, and then well, if I'd have gone into the air force, this wouldn't have happened. And da da da. How much of that is weighing on you?
2: That was quite a bit. Just for the, uh it was the air, not the air force. Was definitely from my mom. My mom was really pushing air force because they say women are treated better, mm-hmm. and well, I, I can kind of see that being the thing. But I've heard horror stories in the air force too. But I've. It was a little bit of that, especially with the injury thing. Well, the Air Force probably would have acknowledged it blah 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 blah, blah. But everything else it kind of was a a letdown to myself because my dad was in twelve years, my mom was in eight, my grandpa and grandmother were in for twenty I mean they retired from it,
0: wow, and
2: to think I could barely survive two, that was a legit injury, but still two years like. And now my sister's married to a freaking officer in the army and he's in forever. So it's like, I can't win, but it's right.
0: And no matter what you do, I there's not that, to it in it in that in your stomach.
2: Yes. yes. And so in a sense, it's, I try not to think of it that way, but, uh, but the army is still very much, very important to me. And I think that's another reason I kind of use fight as my outlet to get, stay connected with them in the veterans community. Because some of them may have thought that, you know, that it couldn't associate with me because I didn't do anything. But with the fight series, though, when I'm bringing up mental health and PTSD and uh, acknowledging pains and describing those emotional turmoils that people just can't find those words for. I think that kind of opens up a little bit like, OK, you understand at least kind of sort of. So and especially some of the testimonies I've had from fight series. So it's so that alone has given me somewhat of a purpose again.
0: So so let's back up you've obviously done a lot of legwork when you were preparing this first book and then subsequently the other series of books. And it sounds like you've spoken to a lot of people and you've got a lot of stories in these books and personal, you know, insight from people that you've spoken to Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So how did you go from essentially homeless, job jumping? depression to get, getting the inspiration to then jump back in with both feet right to the world of soldiers sailor, sailors airmen and marines to get these stories to talk to these people to do your research to to open those wounds back up to read was that was there an external motivation or did that that just one day you woke up and said you know what how does that come about
2: Well, as far as getting out of the depression thing, I had met my now husband, who was still in the army at the time, and I think the idea that he wasn't going to leave me like my first husband, and it, he was kind of my motivator. Everything, I mean, he was infantry, so it was hard to like. Well, you're a poke, you know. There was that that little
0: <laughs> even from bashing a, a little
2: bit. It was from fun, but <laughs> it was like, okay, we're not in the army. I'm not. So stop it. I'm just the dependent now and I would joke. I'm the dependent. Okay. I get to yeah. be a dependent this time. <laughs> so um, that was right. the joke. So, um, but I think him motivating me pushing me through school and whatnot. Cause there were times I was like, I don't even know why I'm doing this. But then I started my career as a lab tech and we started a family and we were able to get our first home together. And it like the whole real, that American dream all coming together kind of thing. I think that, just having someone there having my back mm-hmm. kind of encouraged me. But I was still my own person. Like, I didn't feel like he could understand me. As odd as that sounds. Yes, he was there, kind of, sort of. But I also know he's deployed multiple times. He does have PTSD. He's He's got the diagnosis. He's got all the issues. That come with, mm. you know, many years of experience in Afghanistan, Iraq, uh, Djibouti, Africa, and everything. He's got story. He's got stories, but so I try not to. I try not to. So op- I try not to um, open those wounds for him. <laughs> so it's kind of hard for me to right. balance uh, do that. It is, and I'm aware of it. So I don't push myself on him. I try to get him to talk to other people, but because yeah. uh, I know I'm probably not the person he wants to talk. To about it so well we kind of hope life, it's hard be, yeah no i get it i get it i'm very understanding yeah
0: um i think any spouse like i tell my wife i, I had a chief that his he he used to say when he became our chief he said i you know i want to acknowledge my wife in the in the ceremony when he be, took the job he said i just want to acknowledge my wife she's been with me for 30 years in law enforcement and you know now however long I last this chief of police and I just want to say even though I wear the badge she carries it and I I thought oh, that yeah. was such a beautiful way to say it because mm-hmm. the thing the support we get at home and the things we're able to do out in the field or on deployment it it that's it that's the make or break that is if anybody listening to this podcast wants to know what I would say the one factor the one X factor that you need to have to survive this career successfully. It's a supportive family.
1: hmm hundred percent. I'll back that. And it's hard to talk to your spouse sometimes, especially if they weren't in, but I would imagine because you were in a little bit, you know, it'd be easier for your husband to talk to you and, you know, things like that. But I think regardless, even if your spouse doesn't have anything, doesn't know anything about military law enforcement, first responding, whatever it's, You're still going to speak to them. You're still going to talk to them. You're still going to burden them with your issues. And they are going to feel the full force of that because at some point you're just going to need to talk and get it out before you go. Or maybe in lieu of or, you know, while you're waiting for a therapy, you're going to speak to them because you're going to have to. It's just part of it.
0: I will say as a husband, there is a part of me that I don't want to look pathetic in front of my wife. and. Sometimes expressing certain emotions makes me feel pathetic. So if I feel pathetic and my wife is looking, that right, wrong, or indifferent is difficult on the ego, especially for strong alpha personalities. I won't even say men. I mean, obviously, we're talking about predominantly men, but there are tons of women out there that have done it, been there, got the T-shirt, and if they... I know somebody and Chuck knows who they are. She's the wife of somebody who's been on this podcast. And I look at her. I'm like, Hey, you want to come on? She's got great stories. She worked sex crimes. She worked juvie crimes. She worked homicide. She worked all narc. And she's like, Nope. And it's, she knows herself well enough to know she cannot open those
1: wounds. No, don't want to open that door. Cause once it's open, it's hard it? to fucking close it. I get it. So, you you married a guy, he's in the army, and he,
0: it sounds like, if I'm not mistaken, just his understanding of the army was probably a blessing or a gift because you were able to say your piece and he was able to kind of say, Yeah, I get it. Like, I mean, he teased you about being a pogue, but anybody who served knows the bullshit that the army or the military in general, police departments, fire department, they they put you through hell. The government work sucks. The benefits are great, but the, you know, the government the, oh, yeah. it sucks.
2: Yes. 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 And we have a lot of analogies uh, still with the army. It's like, this is exactly what the mm-hmm. army would do. Blah, 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 blah. And it's like, right. yeah, I know. But you guys can <laughs> so we, have, we do we have our backs.
0: Right. Right. Yes.
2: So, yes. How did, so uh, we have been a team to it all.
0: And how did that bring you to the place where you decided to be brave enough to write this stuff down and do the research?
2: I. Th- I think it was more of I realized through all of that that I was painfully understanding and aware of, um, I guess how to describe emotions and Mm -hmm. just how because I've I've always wrote poems before since I was a kid, but that was just my way of being able to express myself, but. I realized that words were my thing. I can't speak very well. I'm not a very good speaker, I don't feel. But a writer, if I can write it, I'm a, I am feel like I'm a very good writer. Um, and I realized it actually took me probably only a chapter's worth to realize what I wanted to do with Fight. Fight is very unique. It's a fictional story, but it's, it gives flashbacks. It, gives, it does jump around because I wanted it to be personal. With the reader, with each character that you're going to, it gives them the first person perspective. It's third person technically, but you're given a very emotional and you're in their head. It's it's that point of view of everything mm-hmm. they see, everything they feel, uh, regardless of what's happening in the situation or what's being said. You're in their head and you know what they feel to that individual. And so it's it's very unique. It's not... I don't feel like it's a normal story, which is why I think a lot of people it's either you love it or you hate it. And it wasn't until one of my readers reached out to me and says, I have to call you. And I'm like, "Okay." And she did. And she said that her and her husband were on the verge of a divorce and they were veterans. And she said that she read my book and handed it to him and said, you have to read this because this is how I feel. And they were able to talk it out. And so she said, you saved my marriage. And that alone was one of the first testimonies I've ever had from the fight series. And that I realized fight can do something. And that's one of the reasons I continued with the series that it's, I mean, it's just a book. And technically it could be just for entertainment, but it can make a difference. And then I started having some soldiers reach out to me that, and veterans, that they decided that they were going to take their life, but they read my book. And it stopped him. And so that, to me, alone was impactful. Now, will it work for everybody? I don't know. And it's not a self-help book. Not like that. But because there were some very negative things said about it as far as, like, well, this didn't help me. And it's like, well, it's probably not going to work for everybody. But it is, it can be impactful, I think. It's very emotional. It can be triggering if you are, um triggered by certain emotions or words or anything because as you're reading you are going through flashbacks you are uh you're gonna feel something so Mm -hmm. it's i feel that fight had more of a mission so that's when i was like okay it's not just a book series it's a mission now and i think that kind of sort of gave me a purpose again was realizing that
0: it's cool it's interesting you use that terminology because people with a heart for service i always talk about you know this being a calling right it's not a job it's a calling right you if you treat the, if anybody gets into this as a job y- you're not going to be very successful you're going to be disappointed you're going to be frustrated like if mm-hmm. if it's a calling to you and you feel compelled to do this then that is part of you right and that part of you will never go away and so i personally feel that a lot of separated veterans, a lot of retired cops or former cops, a lot of retired firefighters or former firefighters, that lack of purpose that you're talking about, that um, heart for service that goes unused. I think that that is, it, it's, it's a cancer that eats at your soul if you don't recognize that you were built for service, you were built for helping your fellow man, and if you don't, it will eat you up and it will it will you'll turn to drugs, you'll turn to crime, you'll turn you'll turn to all these other kinds of things because you're not do you're not on the path you're supposed to be on.
1: That I think that has to speak a lot with the self-sabotage because you're you get depressed, you're like, Well, I'm not doing this anymore, so what else do I have to really I guess live for, you know, wake up for, do whatever for, and then you kind of just you're stuck there and then you start self-sabotaging your life, which leads to a plethora of like negative things you know and when you don't feel like you have purpose i mean everything kind of just snowballs and then if you have any type of post traumatic stress it's just going to make it even worse and i think we talk about this all the time you know like but i it's so important because i think so many people are dealing with with ptsd post traumatic stress syndrome or whatever or just straight pts you know it, it, and then they have the depression of injuries, you know, anxiety of am I gonna be able to get back, you know, and, and then if you have a spouse, and this is coming from personal experience, being injured and then having my spouse do all bring I mean, I'm still making money, I still make my salary, but she she goes to work and she comes back and she's got a full day, she has purpose, she's doing better. I can see productive. it. You know, it, yeah, and, and you sit there and you're like, Wow, I'm I feel less than and I've had that conversation so many times. I'm like, Hey, sometimes you come home. Kind of having a job like right in my face maybe you can slow down pump the brakes if she I think I probably, probably do doesn't it. even realize it she and honestly it's probably not even that bad she's probably just having a conversation about her day at work and i'm like hey stop rubbing it in my face because i'm the one who feels feels insecure and i think so many people have that same feeling and it's that anxiety that depression of not being able to do your job and then when you have a good day and you feel like yeah fuck yeah i'm on the right path I'm going to get healthy. I'm going to get back the next day. It kicks you right in the nuts, right? The lead.
0: And it's going to happen. That's the other thing you buckle up, bitches, because you're ne- it's not going to be, Oh, I've turned a corner and I'm better. <laughs> That's <laughs> net- <laughs> like constant work. I, I, I have been, I, I still get events. Um, I had something happen the other day. You were talked about a song a song came on and it, literally took me back to a moment in my career. And I ended up telling my wife a story that she'd never heard. And it wasn't a big one. It wasn't a, like it wasn't something huge or whatever. I just went, Oh wow. And she goes, what? And I said, Oh, this reminds me of this and that. And I kind of explained, she goes, you never told me that. And I was like, Oh yeah. You know, I mean, there's probably a lot that I've never told her. There's a lot I can tell you from doing this show There's probably a lot about your time in the military, even the two years you were there that you don't remember until you get around somebody and they start saying things and you're like, Oh yeah. And then it starts to to bring memories back. Guess what? Fuckers. If it happens when you're sitting around reminiscing and you want it to happen, then it's going to happen when you're not meaning for it to happen and you're not ready for it to happen.
1: Like the song you said, a song coming on the radio. Um, you know, and it triggers something in you, maybe it's something that your kids say, maybe it's something that a friend says, maybe you have a little bit to drink, and it's everything just compounded all together. next thing you know, the beast is out, and you're like
2: yeah. uh oh, precisely <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: you know what's interesting is the yes. my first experience with this um I was a child, and I remember. My, my parents were divorced and my little background, my parent, my mother grew up in, uh, my grandfather, I've talked about him as World War II veteran, came home, alcoholic, you know, tortured the kids while he was drinking, not tortured, but he was a violent man when he was drinking. And you know, if you, if you talk back at the table, you were going to get backhanded out of your chair kind of a thing. Right. And, um, when I was probably 10 ish, maybe 11. I remember being at his house and watching my mom and him go through his record collection. And he brought out a record by Pat Benatar of all people. And the song that he played, my mother, she'd never heard. It was called hell is for children. And I watched two grown adults sit and listen to a song for three and a half minutes in dead silence. And neither one of them could speak at the end. And my uncle looked at my mom and just went, yeah, right. And she went, wow. And that was it. And they never spoke. They didn't say it. And I'm like, what just happened and it stuck with me and then as the years went by i realized what i had witnessed out of two you know 30 something 40 something year old adults and they didn't serve they that was the, but that was the trauma of childhood beatings that came back from a song about child abuse it, it it's going to happen
1: 100%
0: no so, now you have you have the first one. How, it was was the feedback you got. What caused you to turn it into a series? It sounds like what you're saying was you hit this moment where people were writing to you, and you're real, you're realizing you're helping people.
2: Yes, yes, because I realized. I mean, the first one kind of touches base of just the initial coming home, PTSD, bringing up, um, you know, remembering fallen comrades with that you know, had died while in service and whatnot. But then I realized, you know, there are other issues the veteran community have to deal with. Homelessness, drug addictions. um, There's more things. But there's just so many characters that intertwine. And I think some people probably don't like the jumping around, but I really wanted it to be personal. And uh, so, yeah, I, I wrote the second one and I was like, maybe it'll just be a do it you know, just two. And then afterwards, like, well, why not a third? I did a third. And then I was like, nah, fourth is going to be a max. If I go 4 we're just forced to fight on is going to be the last one. And sure right. enough, it's that's that's you it. so life far. Life. I've only got like two reviews and they say that it was actually a pretty good ending for the series because you get to see the characters grow and develop. And so it was like, OK, oh, cool. Good. So it wasn't that bad. So, so yeah, uh, all
1: these
0: th- characters through the whole book, all four books, same mm-hmm. same characters, all, all the books, yeah.
2: Right, you intertwine. There's more characters that are uh, introduced as this series right. goes on. Um, so, so yeah. Now so I know these are, are, are based on.
0: Oh god! Oh, no, no I was saying I know I these was... are based on like interviews and stories that you've had and gotten, and 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 you kind of. Mm-hmm. Cobbled together real world experiences into fictionalized story arcs. However, yes. I'm curious: are is each character an uh, an amalgamation of people, or is each character a person to you? And I'm not going to ask you who, obviously, but like when you read it, because like when I read books, I'll be like, I know that guy. You know, like I'll read a character, and I'll be, like, I know that guy. Right? I I have a friend who is that guy. Um. And then, you know, I'm, you know, you see other, but in your books, do you, do you ascribe actual people that, you know, in those roles? Or is it really just a, you know, collaboration?
2: It's a collaboration for me, but I have had readers tell me that, you know, they know people like that character. So, and that's, that is very cool that that happens still, but mine's more of a collaboration. I'm sorry.
0: So no one person is a real person.
2: No, but okay. I will say that all of them do have me in some way. I was able to use this as more of a self therapeutic type journey where I put right. my own anger or things I have said or heard personally or, um, and just experienced myself, but I put it into whether it was a male or female role. It was more of just, I had expressed myself so, I used the series selfishly too, where I would just express my own anger, my own thoughts, my own everything. So, it was very.
0: It sounds like the Marines. Sounds, are like, <laughs> wow. sounds like WWFs in your front. Oh my front God. <laughs> the kids it. are yeah, going crazy. crazy. So, we, um, so, you basically take all the experiences. Do you need to handle that? <laughs> You take all the experiences and the stories that you've collected through your time and, and talking to people and your own personal. And then you take those experiences and things that people have shared with you. And you then personalize them through your own lens and create a character that is those experiences that they gave you. But because you don't want it to be them, you put it through your own lens and try to create those like non-specific people that mm-hmm. okay that makes sense I, and, and yeah. I hate you know i've never had anything <laughs> to use
2: but yes exactly right
0: yeah that makes sense and well and you said you you can if i asked you to write down a description you probably could write it for me but <laughs> that's why i have a podcast Maybe. and you're an author <laughs> and that's yes. why i'm chicken right. to, to put words on page and train because i can talk and i write eh. we'll see <laughs> and our whole job was writing Right. Well, you can't start a, a book trial. with on nine nineteen twenty twenty three at such and such hours. Like that's not how on books start. This,
1: this time, walk and don't walk.
0: While I was it's on route patrol within the city, you no. Know. <laughs> it was so funny. I could always tell when a veteran <laughs> came true? in and file a police report because you'd give them, uh, you'd give them statement forms, and they'd sit down and they'd start filling out their statement forms, and then inevitably they'd come to a page where they wrote like three quarters or halfway down the page. And then there would be a line with the words, nothing further or nothing additional, like oh, so yeah. that nobody could oh, add yeah. anything to the report. And I, I'd always, I always knew people that had served based on their statements like that. <laughs> it was funny. So what, it, what do you think? Um, who would you recommend the fight books for? Who did you, I mean, you wrote them for yourself. Who, obviously, you said not everybody benefits from them the same way. Some people, and, and I get it. Some people are textbook readers, right? They want to read a psychologist, explain in textbook terms how the brain works, and that will help them understand themselves, right? Other people need experiential things. They need to see themselves in a situation in through another character's eyes, through, like, movies or radio or storybooks where they look at a character they see what the character is going through they make that emotional connection and that changes their lives i think clearly that's the path you went so how have you found who who you this book is for like do you have kind of is it is there a profile or uh can you explain like who you intended it for
2: Uh, Overall, my niche, I figured, was veterans and their families, especially veteran families that didn't understand what was going on, why their veteran was probably saying things they were, why were they doing things they were. I felt like that was that it would be a good tool in a sense of at least opening their eyes of what possibly could be going on. uh, Right. Of you know, just veterans in general, even that, you know, there's just a mindset there's that, you know, the purpose thing, again, refining themselves. Um Those are kind of the two main things, at least what I've noticed or picked up on that people just lose a sense of purpose. They don't know who they are. They're no longer, you know, in the uniform. So it's like, what, what now that structure has yeah. gone, that, you know, everything's gone. So Uh, And the people they always were around are no longer there. So it's, it's, again, it's kind of a lonely thing for many of them. But uh, so I think families for sure. And of course, friends or anyone who of a veteran and then veterans who I guess feel alone or feel that they don't have a sense of purpose, I guess, because the series, the series, I, I, I don't really know finding a, the right purpose or anything Mommy, is the so appropriate thing. Granted I'm being distracted again. Um,
1: you need to handle that. We can pause. <laughs> sorry. Let's... The left is to get some final, um, your thoughts, final thoughts. on, where you on find the book? book and where you, can you get it?
2: Well, right now, Fight one, two, three, and 4 are all available on Kindle and paperback on Amazon, as well as mm-hmm. www.fightwithbetsyross.com. Uh, Fight 1 and 2 are available on Audible. Fight 3 is in the process of being recorded for an audiobook. Um, I am in the process of making a hardback cover for the full collection. I actually have an example mm-hmm. right, right now. That I'm putting together because some people don't like short books, but I wrote it short because it oh, is cool. intense. I wanted veterans who even those who with PTSD uh, that were able to manage through it. I do have readers who can only read one page at a time. Like well, if they say it's intense. In
0: so
2: oh, it, that's I why they're like only me. short. They're really short. Okay. Yeah. And so it's. actually so I'm looking it's just at a it. Very, very special thing.
0: Yeah, fight, fight two to fight again, fight three to fight back, and fight four to fight on or fight on. Yep. Uh, if if you want to tr- try, if you want to listen to fight, you can tr- subscribe for a free Audible trial. Apparently, and try listening to the book. So, who knows? Audible That's really cool. Give you a free trial, let you hear the book, and it could save your life. So, thank you, Audible, for free trials that will save somebody's <laughs> life. Not like we're sponsored by. Them, but hey. um, right. Yeah.
1: Well, thanks for coming I on. This a, I think yeah. I'm gonna give this a listen, and uh, then maybe if it if it can speak to my wife and it can help help her assimilate to my feelings. I yeah. her to
0: listen to it for, for sure. sure, lady. Listen to that's this. The thing. <laughs>
1: that's the biggest thing, you know, your spouses or your significant other not being able to assimilate to the things that you feel or going through, and I think that's a big thing. So if this book can help even the family members uh-huh. of these people, it'll in turn. Help the veteran, the service member, the law enforcement officer, whatever, um, because it'll help them talk and be able to get this out. And I think that's the most important thing is talking and not feeling like you're alone. You know what I mean?
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Well, um, do you have social media where people can follow you or, or anything like that? Do you?
2: Yes, okay, I, I am what? on face, Facebook. Fe- uh. Mm-hmm. Fight with Betsy Ross. Uh, I am on Twitter at Ross underscore fight. Instagram, Betsy Ross author. Uh, I'm trying to think. Oh gosh, I'm on TikTok now. Oh, dude, I don't even know oh what's out goodness. there anymore.
0: Uh, I know like Threads and X and.
2: Oh I know. Things. Yeah, or X. I guess it's X now. I don't. Yeah. I I don't know. I'm in my 30s now. I realize aging and following trends and technology now it is a thing. I'm Not like right, so. I don't. I can't even keep up with slang, let alone the apps out there. <laughs> yep. I remember Windows and, 98. You know what,
0: I, if I could, if I could uninvent one thing, it would be social media. Well, we appreciate you coming on and talking about this stuff. I know it's, you know, you've got, uh, an army of terrorists running around. Um, you're yes. on, you're on your real deployment as a mom. Uh, yes. we get that, but, uh, we wanted to, we always dedicate our episode, but, uh, we're hijacking this one a little bit because we had something kind of personal. Um, yeah happened and so i'll have chuck read uh before we get into a little bit of the personal side
1: yeah so this one's going to go out to deputy ryan <clears throat> clink and Broomer. he clink. was murdered in his pat- huh? clink
0: all clink. the guys called him clink
1: yeah he was murdered in his patrol car sitting outside of the station of palmdale station uh los angeles county sheriff's Department. Um, and the suspect was taken into custody. I will get into the story real quick right now. Um, multiple law enforcement sources who spoke on a condition of anonymity because they were not authorized to discuss the ongoing investigation, told ABC News on Monday night that the suspect, Kevin Salazar, um, has confessed to the sheriff's investigation and the murder, or to the sheriff's investigators and the murder of the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department, um, Deputy Ryan Clinkenbrumer. The motive for the murder of the deputy, which happened on Saturday night in Palmdale remains unclear to investigators. The sources said his mother claims her son has mental illness and has tried to get help for years. Well, we don't really care about you. Um, what we care about is you killing a, uh, a a deputy just sitting in his patrol car who, um, if I'm not mistaken, had just dropped off his, his trainee to go get food, to do a food run. Um, Clinker Brimmer, who was on duty, was uniform and stopped at a red light outside the Palmdale Sheriff Station when a great Toyota Corolla pulled up alongside his patrol car. Authority said after the Corolla drove away, Clinker Brimmer's cruiser remained at the light where a Good Samaritan discovered him unconscious in his vehicle and prompt, promptly alerted Palmdale Station personnel. Clinker Brimmer, 30, was hospitalized and later died of his injuries. Clinker Brimmer was ambushed by a coward, the sheriff said Monday, adding at the time that. A motive was unknown. Ryan's family will never see him again, the sheriff said, overcome with emotion. Our son, Ryan, was a dedicated, hardworking deputy sheriff, Clink Broomer family said in a statement read on Monday by the sheriff. Ryan was recently engaged to the love of his life, family said, and made the ultimate sacrifice. Investigators on Sunday had asked for information about the Toyota Corolla, which they described as a dark colored stand with a model year between 2006 and 2012. Um, it was being sought as a vehicle of interest, according to the special bulletin. And um, then later they were alerted to him, and a Deputy uh, SEB came in, shot tear gas into the windows, and uh, the coward came out with his hands up and surrendered to police. He was taken into custody without incident. He's a coward. Um, so I want to um,
0: talk about this. A little more than we normally do our normal dedications um one of my closest friends was one of clink and Broomer's lieutenants chuck and i lived chuck still lives in the area where this deputy patrolled um this station is a hop skip and a jump from my old house before i moved out of california i've been past there many times it's a hop skip and a jump from from chuck's house um, This man kept my community safe when I lived there Mm -hmm. and he did so uh, willingly and bravely. And uh, the fact that I have several friends that knew him and have told me personal stories, I posted um, a personal story or a personal message about clink on war stories after Chuck had posted the first picture, just because I felt that. A little bit of a, so so many times we can't share personal anecdotes about these people because we don't know them, but this is the situation where it hit close to home. And so um, uh, rest easy, clink. We've got it from here. Um, I never met you, but you kept me safe at night and you kept my family safe at night. And so for that, I will be forever grateful. And uh, I'm going to tell you right now that if there hadn't been... Cameras, and if that coward had taken one wrong step, uh, yeah, I I have other information that I can't share, except I'll chuck, I'll share it with you off the air. But uh, I just wanted to give a special kind of tail end to that because this one, like, it didn't hit as close as Luca did, but it hit pretty damn close because. I have friends up here that worked with clink. I have friends down there that worked with clink. I have right. it, it. it, It's just no more. And it, it, was, it wasn't even like he was out doing the Lord's work. He was sitting in his car waiting to get his trainee some food. So anyway, rest easy, brother. We got it from here. Uh, there's no real fun way to get out of a dedication like that or
1: any of them for that matter so uh chuck why don't you uh why don't you take us out well everyone thank you so much for listening um you know if you want to support us please go to uh our website www.warstoriesofficial.com we also have our instagram and our facebook our instagram is at war underscore stories underscore official and our facebook at war stories podcast if you already f- uh follow us and please like and share our posts um we're available on all major podcast streaming platforms as well as on YouTube. Reviews and ratings are how podcast platforms decide what to recommend. Do your reviews and ratings really help us grow the show. Um, if you think you may have a story to tell and you want to be a guest on the show, please go to our email at booking.warstories at gmail.com. Send me your story. I can get you booked. If you have a friend you think would be a great fit, send them um, our email and I'll chat with them, and I can get them booked. We're always looking for law enforcement, veterans, firefighters, medics, also corrections, dispatchers, and nurses. Thank you for the support. Stay safe.
0: And until our next episode, come home with your shield or on it.